So check this out. I got word that Hulu threw this crazy party in Beverly Hills with literally all of the biggest reality TV stars. I'm talking about all the Bravo Lebs, Candy Burris, Portia Williams, James Kennedy, Jax Taylor, even Captain Lee and Kate Chastain. Here's the genius part. If you want to find out what happened at the party, you have to watch the commercials. Yes, I know I'll be tuning in and then signing up for a free trial to get my favorite reality TV shows at Hulu.com. Welcome back to Welcome to Westworld, the Westworld podcast here on Post Show Recaps that has been offline for far too long. And we are bringing ourselves back online as season three also brings itself online. Uh, I'm Josh Wiggler. I'm joined here by Joe Garfine. Unless, Joe, uh, somebody has replaced you with a host version of yourself and you are not actually the Joe Garfine that I know. For all you know, I look like Tessa Thompson. You don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea who's in that, uh, who's who's kicking around, whose brain ball you've got uh, <laughs> hanging in that noggin. Joe, oh my God, what a delight. What a delight. We're back. We back. It's been two years. It's um, very refreshing to be back, especially during today's, um, how should we say it, world events. Yeah. It is, this is actually a treat and a lovely escape. So thank you for having me back to co-host with you. No, for sure. And it, it's great. It's always great to talk to you. And luckily, you and I are such close friends that, that we talk almost every day. Uh, we play words with friends together almost every single <laughs> day. The words with friends battle, uh, it, it rages onward. Uh, but to, to get on the horn to do the podcast with you is, is always such a delight for me. And as you say, crazy times dating ourselves a little bit here. But look, it's March 2020 as we're recording this podcast. I think you know what we're talking about. Uh, and, and just to kick things off, you know, hope everybody is, is, is safe. Everybody is doing everything right. Everybody's being good to each other, being good to themselves as well. Uh, and it's truly a, a privilege for Joe and I to be on here on the podcast, uh, doing whatever we can to help you. Uh, get through this to, pri- to, to provide some distraction, hopefully, uh, is something that we are doing. And hopefully helping you make some sense of this other thing that is uh, hopefully distracting you a little bit, that is providing you some joy, uh, some Lisa joy, if you, <laughs> if you will. Uh, and that is the return of Westworld, Season 3. Parche Diem is the name of the first episode of Season 3, directed by Jonathan Nolan, uh, written, uh, co-written by Nolan and Lisa Joy. Uh, and what a joy to be back in the world of Westworld, Joe. It's amazing. I mean, our virtual experience is, is certainly a nice escape for us to get into. I mean, our world has vastly changed since the show debuted in 2016, four years ago. Yeah, but not as dramatically as it's changed in the, <laughs> in the world that's being depicted in Westworld, which I know we'll talk about, but the 2050s look, uh, I was going to say lit. Do we want to say they look lit or they look a little scary? Is the light artificial? I don't know, but it looks cleaner. That's for sure. It looks cleaner in some regards. Uh, So we're going to get into all of that. We're also going to set up a little bit about what we do in here on the Westworld podcast here uh, all season long. So uh, a couple of things. Uh, I'm going to be very busy talking about Westworld like everywhere. Uh, I'm in full Westworld mode right now. I'm in the Westworld trenches. I'm talking about Westworld on my series regular podcast over at The Hollywood Reporter. Those recaps are posting Sunday nights after the episodes. If you've not subscribed to series regular yet, I'd really appreciate it if you were up for that. Uh, Series regular, wherever you get 
your podcasts. Uh, you'll be able to find me there uh, yapping all the way through a Westworld episode. Lots of really fun stuff. Our, our premiere recap, it's me and Dan Feinberg, our TV critic over at The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, so, so give that a listen if you are, if you are so inclined. Here on Post Show Recaps, what we are going to be doing is Joe and I, we're going to be talking. Uh, we're going to break down every single episode with the same crazy theory analysis you've come to expect from us if you are a dedicated listener of the Welcome to Westworld podcast. If you're not, if this is your first time listening to the Welcome to Westworld podcast, uh, spoiler alert, get ready for crazy theory time. Uh, certainly from my, my lunatic friend here, Joe Garfine. Uh, you're going to go, you're going to go ham on, on Westworld season three, episode one, I believe. I specialize in crazy, fun conspiracy theories. So take them with a grain of salt. I'm often, well, more often than not, I am wrong, but sometimes I at least hit on something that might go right. Um, but it's kind, of, it's kind of fun when we're wrong. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yes. But I would just say to new listeners, uh, you know, Josh is more, I'm more of the color commentary. Josh will lob up something that happened in the episode and I, my brain just sort of takes off. And I used to do this with Lost and now it has continued with Westworld. And wow, season three. Holy moly. Yeah. So I'm going to try and keep the train on track and Joe's going to do her best to derail it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. And then I'll do my best to put it back on track. So that's what you can expect uh, from we're going to be posting these Monday mornings as often as we possibly can. And then, oh, my, you thought we were done. You thought that was it. You thought that was the only Westworld coverage you were going to be getting on Poster Recaps this season. You were wrong. That's not what's happening. We've got more Westworld podcasts coming your way. We're going to be doing, uh, if not weekly, at least a regular bonus show every single week. Uh, Joe will be sitting that one out, but it's going to be me plus a rotating special guest. We're going to be dealing with your feedback. Feedback show is coming your way. Uh, we're going we're gonna to forego the feedback here on these recaps and reserve the feedback for these special feedback shows. And uh, we're pretty much booked solid other than maybe one spot on the feedback shows right now uh, with the special guests, with the special co-hosts, uh, I should say, uh, that we have coming along the way. And it's fun. It's a fun lineup. Uh, I will tell you who our guest for next week is uh, at the end of the podcast. I gotta draw out the suspense. I gotta, I gotta get you. I gotta get you on the edge of your seat. Make sure that you're listening all the way through. Uh, but if you're a Survivor fan, let me just say you are not going to want to miss the person who we have coming up on our first official Westworld feedback show here on Post Show Recaps. And you can send us your feedback uh, a number of ways. Uh, Westworld at postshowrecaps.com is our email address. You can also submit to our feedback form. That's postshowrecaps.com slash feedback. And you can tweet at us. At postshowrecaps is our postshowrecaps Twitter account. I am at round Howard, like a Howard that is round. Joe is at Joe opinionated, like you're opinionated, but you got a J at the front of it. Uh, and if you just got questions for us, uh, even not for the feedback show, we will, we will engage you online uh, a million percent of the way uh very very fun for us to to do these things here as we are gearing back up for westworld we'd also appreciate if you subscribed to this podcast not just the series regular podcast which again i would very much appreciate if you subscribed <laughs> to and left glowing reviews even if you don't mean them but actually just only if you mean them don't do it if you don't believe in it uh but we would love for you to subscribe to this podcast as well uh postshowrecaps.com slash westworld itunes i believe will get you to our Apple feed, uh, but you can find us on your podcast app of choice. And if you could leave us a rating and a review, if you'd be so kind, uh, it would just be so kind, Joe. We love constructive feedback. 
We do. We do love constructive feedback. If you disagree with something we've got going on, we're totally fine with that. Totally works. As long as you're being cool, let's be civil. Things are hard enough out here right now. We're all in this together. And also, I'll issue a correction. It is just postshowrecaps.com slash Westworld will get you to that Apple feed. Uh, yes, constructive criticism is what we're looking for. And compliments. And compliments. Like, if you want to <laughs> talk about, like, how good we look, like, how smart we are. If they can only really see, we're having really good hair days, but they can't see yeah, us. Yeah, they can't see us. But Joe, Joe's hair looks fantastic. I will be so bold as to say I think my hair looks really good as well. It's Good job. We're doing well. Not, not unlike uh, Dolores, who has, uh, like, a new hairstyle this season as well. Wow. All I have to say to the costume designer and the hair and makeup for... Uh, Westworld. I can see why it took two years to make this season, Josh, because it was worth the wait. Yeah. Jeffrey Wright looking good, you know, with the shaved head and the big beard. Like, I think he's having a good hair day in like uh, an unexpected way. <laughs> uh, For sure. I mean, the the outfits alone, the outfits alone, we'll talk about it, but Dolores with the quick change. Come on. Oh, I want yeah, that was glorious. <laughs> I want that technology, but like to put my sweats on when I get home from work. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. And then if you're following the Curb Your Enthusiasm rules that uh, Jeff laid out in one of the most recent episodes, uh, once you put the sweats on, you don't leave the house. Uh, I think that as a as a rule, we can all agree to such a practice. And now most of us are in that mode right now. Yeah, I, I hope so. Yeah. I mean, well, since we are really locked down right now, many of us, uh, this is a good advice to some, somebody who's worked from home on and off for a decade plus. Uh, you want to shower, you want to put on normal clothes, you want to, you want to, you want to treat each day as if it's an accurate actual work day. Uh, just some advice from somebody who's been in these trenches for a little while. I will say, Joe, uh, uh, Aaron Paul, it's not that he's having a bad hair day on Westworld this season. It's just that he kind of just looks like Jesse Pinkman. You know, he just looks like Aaron Paul. A future version. A future version, but like, he basically just looks like Aaron Paul. Which is fine with me. It's totally fine with me as well. All right, so let's let's start giving our first reactions to the episode just overall. Um, because I, I know what my first reaction was, was, it's a lot. It's a lot. There's a <laughs> lot, a lot happening here. And it's Westworld, so you're used to that. But man, they're kind of just throwing you into this new world without really holding your hand uh, and just like letting you like discover it for yourself. Uh, Joe, we have not gotten to talk about this yet until just now, and I'm so excited to get your take. What did you think of the season premiere? What were like the first thoughts that were like coursing through your brain ball? My, I think it's phenomenal. I think it is. It's not a reboot, but it's a, a restarting it's a of an engine. It's a robot. <laughs> a robot. Yeah. It is a restarting of the engine of Westworld. Uh, in my personal opinion, it's not like they looked at the fan feedback and changed things, but I do think that they took to heart the linear nature of television and how it is, the landscape has changed and the way that uh, intelligent fans do react to nonlinear timelines. And I feel I've only seen the first episode tonight. Um, so I can't speak for future episodes, but I feel like this is presented in a cleaner timeline and I feel like it'll, it might be less confusing for, uh, the general viewer and for folks like us who love the show. Right. But I also think that this is the kind of show, if you have time, watch it again. I watched it twice tonight and I, I, I caught so much more upon a second viewing. Yeah. And cards up. I've seen through the first four. They released the first four episodes to uh, to critics and to press. And because of my job at THR, had to watch them, uh, have to bank content for, for those episodes coming up. Uh, I'll say we're going to have a fun few weeks of podcasting ahead of us for sure. Uh, and also that no spoilers coming from me. Uh, the analysis is largely going to be coming from Joe. Uh, I will mostly be just like lobbing up grenades for you to, to, to pull the pin on. Uh, and we'll be talking more in a, in a recappy 
capacity. Uh, but I but I would agree with that 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 was one of the first impressions that I got from this premiere was I was I was impressed by the fact that like it felt more it, it felt more like a TV show whereas the first two seasons felt more like you were like the story was being conveyed from the perspective of the hosts that they experience memory differently than you and I do that they can be like 30 years ago and they can be now at the same exact time hence the constant refrain is this now um like I think that that was very much by design it wasn't like it was something that was like unintentionally confusing the first two seasons it was deliberately confusing um and I think the first season I think that the the it, it struck me that like the creatives were probably a little bit frustrated that like the man in black stuff got busted so so quickly like the two different William and man in black timelines got busted so quickly uh and then I think in in season two that they were cards up with the fact that multiple timelines are in play I think that it was actually then interestingly and it's not to a to a rule you and I really enjoyed season 2 quite a bit but I do think that there's some sort of like common consensus about season 2 that it, like it was really complicated and at times very hard to follow. And that wasn't everybody's cup of tea. Um, and so I think that like now that we're out in quote unquote our world, now that we're out in like the human world, there does seem to be like this deliberate attempt at um, like making like the story is playing out to a degree that the human beings who populate earth would be able to track the story. So maybe this is going to, come back and and like explode in our faces but like i am presently not like trying to track like is there a secret timeline thing going on it seems like everything is kind of happening on the level right now and i'm and i'm grateful for it absolutely and i would just say that the prescient nature of this show has always been like enthralling and terrifying that continues to be the case from what i've seen so far in season 3 i mean yep. lisa lisa joy jonathan nolan they've never been afraid to intermingle reality with possibility no, um, and actually, I have a uh, com slash Westworld is something you're going to want to book. Let me say that com slash Westworld is where I'm going to have all of my coverage up at The Hollywood Reporter, not just the uh, the podcasts for series regular, but also interviews that I'm doing with the cast and the crew all along the way. I've got a big Aaron Paul Q&A up there right now, so you should check that out. Uh, we dive deep into, into his character and what his experience was like getting into Westworld. But I also have a breakout with Jonathan Nolan um, talking about the approach to, to what he calls grounded futurism, uh, is the approach that they are taking to Westworld Season 3 and, and depicting this new world uh, that, that they are uh, showing off. Uh, this is a quote from Nolan. He says, the approach we took in terms of grounded futurism is actually a pretty tricky one. In many ways, it's easier to go with a more hyperbolic take on the future, one that's dystopian, dark, and crazy. But we wanted to do something that felt very authentic and almost uncanny, that people would look at it and think, okay, fair enough, that's probably where we'll be. It meant finding ways where technology has changed in dramatic ways, but also in subtle ways. We wanted to create a future that's exciting and exhilarating, but in some ways a little bent out and disappointing, with the sense that things have not radically changed. Uh, so that's, I think, a, a, a pretty interesting approach to the way that they are depicting some of the things that we are seeing, like self-driving cars, uh, as an example. That's something that that we really went long at in this article, uh, where he thinks like this isn't like self-driving gar- cars isn't something where he thinks like that's a guess. He thinks that that's the future, like that's a reality. He his exact quote. Let me let me pull it up in terms of what he says. Uh, he says that he says that's the future. That is absolutely the future. It's a safe bet is what he says. Uh, he says, uh, that I think that one's a safe bet. It's clearly going to happen. It's going to happen in the next 10 years. 
when it happens, the idea that the second most expensive thing that someone will ever buy aside from a dwelling is a private car is going to disappear the way that horse ownership disappeared. Uh, so big predictions from, from Jonathan Nolan. And, and I think like no surprise, this is a show that, uh, that really tries to like research its setting, uh, deep research into robotics, deep research into the attempts of like what, what the, um, the evolution of artificial intelligence is going to mean for us moving forward. But I think also trying to ground it in a way where like they're actually trying to humanize the show in a way that they haven't attempted in the first place in the first two seasons. Cause we are incentivized to be in the, the shoes of the hosts for those seasons, right? Uh, like we want to, we want to be sympathetic to them because it's their plight that we're following in their revolution. So there aren't a lot of good people on that show. Uh, I think like who, who would you count? Like Elsie is a good person, start to finish. R.I.P. Sadly, you know I love Shannon Woodward. I'm so bummed. I hope she somehow somehow appears again. Uh, so so she's dead. Uh, like we had uh, Simon Quartermain as as Lee Sizemore, who was like the de facto worst character <laughs> on Westworld for the first season, and then was like a surprise favorite by the end of it. And like I think that that charted the potential that humans have. Um, but as far as there being like a person who from from start to finish you really really empathize with i think it's like it's elsie and that's it and i think maybe now we're going to start to see uh through the caleb character i think at least an attempt to show another side of a human being uh seems to be the uh the approach that nolan and joy are trying to take and and to have that uh that that human grounding while we're dealing with this this future that it's like 2050s ish. I don't think that we have the exact time on that. I'm sure HBO will make that more clear. Um, but it to, it's it's a world that's recognizable but unrecognizable at the same time. Right. It definitely looks like our future, um, and for better or worse. And I think that it's very smart casting to have Aaron Paul because we already were rooting for him as Jesse on Breaking yes. Bad, despite his flaws. Yes. And I think that we're starting, you know, at least from episode one, in the same kind of arena. Um, what about the future tech? Tell me about some of the things that really stood out to you. Goodness. Okay. So my favorite new toy of Westworld season three is the sleep chip, which I'd like to think of as a high tech communion chip. Yeah. Uh, so it's like this thing that they put on their palette that like, is, is it, is it literally like a computer chip that you're connecting to like, do we have computers in our mouths in the future? Well, it seems like, and we'll get into the insight of it all, that company, but it seems like it's a controlled medication and is probably monitored and monetized by either the government or a company like Insight. And we don't know who designed it. We don't know what the effects are, but it obviously it's used to help Caleb's mom go to sleep. It helps Jerry, the poor, not so poor tech guy in the first <laughs> scene, go to right. sleep. I think it's controlled and it's actually connected to the phones. It's connected to whatever system they have in their house. I wonder if you can like plug in a podcast that way in the future. Let's if, hope so. If not, I may be out of business. I know I have, <laughs> uh, people rely on me to put them to sleep very often. Uh-huh. You're so, funny. Uh, shout out to the, to the Sleep With Me podcast. I hope Dear Scoots uh, is able to, <laughs> to, to survive this new wave of technology. Though they still have earbuds in yes. the future. Right. Like, and you've got like therapy via earbuds in the future. Definitely. And, you know, the, the next iteration of Tesla, like you said, driverless with. Yeah. But I love that it's like open table in a Tesla. Like you have a reservation at seven. Uh, I'm a puns guy. So I just have to say Tesla Thompson. 
Oh, nice. I like it. There's nothing else to to add to that. Just (laughs) Well, it looks like the helicopters have the similar tech, you know, that sort of windowless or or full window, you know, um, and it looks like it's the same technology. And I I don't know if it's going to be relevant or not if the same company produces all of it. Yeah, I'd love to know uh, what's like the power source on that stuff. Like, is it electric? Is it solar? Solar, yeah. Uh, But uh, you would imagine it's not gas powered. should have asked that while I had the chance. Well, it's just that one of the Curse things I do. Wiggler, you're <laughs> asking the right questions. I, I think you'll get a chance to ask again. It was the good news. But and also, I, there were other things that I had to ask about. You know, true. No, no spoilers, but the season's going to get nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and that's saying something. Yeah. No, but because the new world, for lack of a better world, is so pristine. You know, you could tell, and I. It looks like a world that maybe doesn't have disease or it doesn't have is the gas out there polluting, and yet. There's other dangers lurking. Right, right. So uh, there's all that. It looks like, and we were talking about this a little bit offline, is in the Bernard scenes. Um, were those, was that synthetic meat that we were it, looking at? Because it's, it was beef, right? It was cows? It was cows. So I wasn't sure until someone um, mentioned where he was working online when I glanced at it. I said synthetic. I mean, I guess it makes sense, but I don't know. I have no yeah. idea. Well, I think it would make sense because... Uh, I was watching Ugly Delicious uh, yes. on, on Netflix, the David Chang show, and they did an episode on beef, uh, and they were talking about how the future of, of the of the of the beef industry is probably like really small but delicious quantities of of meat, um, and in like that kind of like forward looking way, maybe Nolan and Joy are like an alternate answer to that is you know the the Dolly cloning of the world. Hopefully we're not naming all of them, but like that is the way that meat will be produced moving forward and is more environmentally friendly. It looks like this is a world that's attempting to be more environmentally friendly. Uh, like it looks like uh, at some point in, 20, in the 2050s, we've made active strides towards like trying to thwart global warming. At what cost? It seems like, you know, personal free will. So we shall see. Potentially. Yeah. And I mean, I think like, so the insight stuff I, I, I want to talk about, but like also it just that brought to mind the idea that like with the earbud in your ear uh, and with these like palette computers uh, on the roof of your mouth, like your head is like computerized in the future. That feels fairly real, given how our lives are computerized right now. Well, and we'll get to it later when we talk about Caleb, but Caleb mentions an implant that he doesn't have turned on. So do they have a choice right. to be controlled by a company or the government? I mean, I guess we'll find out. And is it like an opt-in thing or is it like you're born and you're implanted when you're young because it's painful? Uh, would be something I'd be interested to know. Um, or like when you're young, you have to have it uh, operated on. Um, like, is it like a class thing? Like, uh, is everybody allowed an implant? Um, because if everybody has an implant, uh, and like, if it's all like digitally controlled and you have people like Dolores and Maeve, who seem to be able to like interact pretty comfortably with, with tech, maybe they'll just like go around making everybody's heads explode. (laughs) Maybe that's the final scene. The final scene of the season finale is humanity's heads blow up. Uh, Dolores is already being pretty effective at, at revenge, so we shall see. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to talk about that in a second. Uh, I mean, we can actually talk about that first because technically there's a cold open to, to, to launch us into season three, right? Uh, where it's Dolores, uh, getting vengeance on, uh, you said Jerry. Uh, I look at him. I see Max. That's the, that's, uh, Thomas Kretschmann is the actor. 
and he played Max in season two of 24. And he was like built up Joe as like, this is the guy. He's, <laughs> he's Nina, he's Nina Myers, secret handler. He's the one who's backing all the plays to take down President Palmer. He's responsible for everything that happened with the Drays in season one. And then uh, he disappears from the show forever after season two with no resolution. <laughs> and if you were ever expecting any resolution, you had to play 24, the video game, which sucked. Wow. I played it because I love 24 and I enjoyed shooting a helicopter as Tony Almeida. But the game was really bad. And like the big terrorist plot was there was an earthquake machine that was threatening Los Angeles. It was just very, very terrible. The gameplay mechanics were really, really bad. And that's the only way that you get to address Max. He gets killed by the end of the thing. Anyway, every time I see Thomas Kretschmann, I think of Max. <laughs> yes, I, I, you know, they're obviously making a statement with the one percenters and, you know, the rich white tech guys. And I call it the Parasite House, because for those of you who've seen Parasite, it's that very futuristic multi-level home that has high tech. And yet Dolores was able to outsmart that tech. And she, yeah. obviously she's had a system upgrade since Westworld, the park. She's definitely more confident. Like she's moving through the whole episode with so much confidence. Uh, but the way that she, I feel like she, what she must have is like a depth of understanding of what she is and what the, what the technology is around her. And so she's able to like move within that. I don't think that we have a clear timetable of like when this opening scene takes place it's in china uh like the the opening tells us that we're located in china at least i i take that as the meaning with like the big like white spinny black ball thing that incident incident like i i have no idea what that means i'm looking forward to finding out uh and it, it struck me that it, it says like incident in china so i'm just assuming that that house is in china um that if if westworld park and i think it was established in uh, the in the second season, and it's reinforced here by the ending when Bernard is um, setting a, a course to to Westworld the park. He's in the Philippines. He's close to the South China Sea. In that scene, uh, that if if she's in China in this cold open, has she just left the park? Basically, like is this pretty close to after she's left the park, or is this closer to the? I think it's been like ninety days since the Delos massacre for the mass uh, the vast majority of uh, of the episode. So it's like, how far into getting her groove back is Dolores in this first scene? Well, remember, she had to have time to make new skins and put the brain balls in them. So who knows? I, I think they're purposely uh, obfuscating the actual timeline, and that's fine with me. But I want to know, so she didn't take the entire library of guest data books before she left Westworld because she didn't have time. So when did she have time to scan in specific guest info like Jerry's? That was So that was surprising to me. And like I did the full rewatch before getting back into Westworld, and stupid me that like I I had like kind of uh glanced over the fact that like it would probably be pretty important that Dolores was in that library in the forge and like the digital realm where there are all these books on all the guests who've come to Westworld, right? Uh and she she seemingly like has like read the book on a lot of people. Uh like seems like she's read the book on Jerry. Uh like the way that she's able to talk to him about like the horrible things he's done. Seems like she knew things that like she wouldn't have been able to know unless she had like read his brain map. Uh, so that's terrifying uh, that I guess like she, she's been able to read like a strong chunk of the literature on uh, at least the humans who've passed through Westworld. I have a theory. Is it too yeah. soon? No, of course not. She has a mole back still in the park. 
And that's how she's getting her information. She'll say, I need the information on Jerry Smith. And then she gets it. So Jerry is a, an inside, a former inside employee who visited the park. Who's to say, you know, obviously for her to do this long con on the company, she went to, and we'll get to it to rebuild Connell's into one of her own. Right. I, she, I think she has someone at the park feeding her information. Who do you think it is? I don't know yet. Yeah. I don't think it's obviously Bernard. Um, and I, uh, there are a lot of people who are dead, so I'm not quite sure. Okay, marinating on the theory. I shall. I shall provide no commentary. Good, uh, good, that, good call. That's how we'll do it. This. That's how we'll do it this time. When you I say <laughs> theory time, you have the floor, uh, and my my lips will be sealed. But in uh, 90 days, she's able to get Con on, ironically, Connells, who is the right hand man for Insight, and recreate right. his body, and you, you know use him uh, as her bodyguard. So she's a quick study that Dolores Abernathy. Yeah, she's a quick study. So she's got that in play. Uh, she's going to have you know Charlotte Hale is in play. We still don't know who that is, which is awesome. Very exciting. I think it's it's cool that like we. I, I, I think there. I'll be curious to know like what's the what's the the temperature in the room of like frustrated that we don't know who the new Charlotte is yet or excited that that has not yet been answered. And like, you're kind of having to do some guesswork. Uh, what, what's your take on that so far, Joe? You know, Tessa Thompson's my favorite. And so I love seeing this version of her knowing it's not Charlotte Hale. Did Dolores have Charlotte Hale's brain ball from season two in her purse? Is this a version of it that she can now control or is it, is it someone entirely else or is there a possibility that Dolores literally takes her own brain ball out and puts it inside of Tessa Thompson's body to go to staff meetings? I don't know. We don't- <laughs> like back and forth. <laughs> I'm just saying yeah. there could be a tech. I mean, there's a lot of different, we don't know when these meetings take place. And again, even though it's not necessarily a straight up timeline, I think there are a lot of possibilities for switching between Dolores and Charlotte. Cool. Awesome. Um, so she kills poor Max. I mean, Jerry, uh, Thomas Kretschmann, <laughs> Doesn't doesn't make it out of here, and we shouldn't be saying poor. You're absolutely right. Um, but just as like a thrill ride, I I liked that we kind of um we started as sort of like a sci-fi horror movie with our with our first scene was really cool. He's got the glasses where like uh, I guess like you have phone glasses in the future. What what's it going to be like for a guy like me who just needs glasses anyway? You have a separate pair for nightmares. Do I just like build them in, or do I have to carry two pairs of glasses around everywhere? I mean, you should start on that designing tech now and get the, get the copyright, man. I want to talk to someone. You should. Uh, <laughs> I need the patent. I think it'll be good. Uh, but that scene goes down. Uh, Dolores walks away with like all this insight data, right? Yes. Uh, and what insight is, because this is, this is a new company that is being introduced to the world of Westworld. Uh, we had never heard of it before season three. You had heard of it if you were, uh, like hip to the viral marketing. Um, this has been like a really big push that HBO has been doing where uh, basically Insight seems to be like a company that like curates, dis- makes decision-making easy for you by reading all of your data. Uh, and there was like some private privacy law that was enacted at some point in the late 2030s in the world of Westworld that I don't think we know the full scope of yet. Uh, and Insight like capitalizes on that and has like this big massive computer system um, that is somehow like processing everybody's data and giving them choices as a result uh and that's the that's the rayobomb supercomputer uh, yes and by the way that that logo is a version of the maze it's exactly the maze from season one in a spherical form yes oh no kidding Mm -hmm. how did you figure that out i studied it 
That's amazing. And so <laughs> should we enlighten viewers as to what, what Rehoboam is? So it's spelled yeah. R-E-H-O-B-O-A-M. And and it was hard to understand because I do think that, like, they gave a lot of jargon to Tommy Flanagan. <laughs> and I love Tommy Flanagan. He's the guy who plays Connells. But, like, let's, let's like, maybe not give so much jargon to Tommy Flanagan. You know, I want to – and maybe, like, <laughs> slow down when you say the word Rehoboam because I think, like, that needs to be subtitled would be would be helpful. Well, here is why, and it's on the nose, which I appreciate, why they called it Rayobam. First of all, they refer to it as the strategy engine that saved the world through algorithms. Yep. The history of the world Rayobam is that Rayobam was the son of King Solomon of Israel. He came to power when his father died. This is going to sound real familiar. <laughs> Shortly after he became ruler, the Israelites revolted against his authority. Welcome to Westworld Season 3. Yeah, so I mean, like we're, what we're going to get from uh, the character that Dolores is conning uh, is his name's Liam Dempsey. Uh, Liam Dempsey Jr. Uh, we assume he's a, he's Dempsey Jr. I believe that they say that he's played by John Gallagher Jr. So double Jr. We just call him Jr. We call him Jr. Well, if we call him Jr., then I'm going to think about a pregnant Arnold Schwarzenegger the whole time. Okay, well that's your problem. I'm not mad at it. <laughs> you know, I believe uh, one of Emily Fox's uh, top five Arnold Schwarzenegger movies is Jr. Fair. I'll take it. Uh, I thought it was a little weird. One time I asked her, what are your top five Arnold Schwarzenegger movies? She listed Junior. That's very strange. I thought that was very strange. The fact that she has five is quite something. Well, I don't know that she made it to five. Okay. Uh, Emily, if you're out there, it's very likely that Emily is uh, on the other side of my podcast or uh, considering everything. Uh, <laughs> if you're out there and if you can hear me and you want to text me your top five Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, I would certainly read them live on this podcast right now. Welcome to uh, our podcast. But, uh, but Liam Dempsey Jr. played by John Gallagher Jr. And his father is the inventor of Rehoboam. Uh, and like this episode indicates based on like some of the scenes between Liam and Dolores, uh, Liam, who I've been calling uh, Nerdy John Snow, because uh, I think like kind of <laughs> he kind of looks like Kit Harrington with the glasses on when Kit wears the glasses. Yes, uh, you know tech tech snow uh, yep. instead of a tech bro. Uh, so the tech snow uh, he's he like admits to Dolores at one where he's like I don't know what's going on. Nobody knows what's going on. So like if anybody's been like set up to be uh, rebelled against uh, Rayobam's style, uh, Liam certainly seems to be to be there. Uh, but the deck is also set right like. If the Israelites who rebelled against the supercomputer are the hosts here, um, that almost like tells you where we're going, <laughs> pretty, pretty much. But but speaking of Liam Jr., uh, is he really in the dark, or is he well aware of his father's doing? Like right. Logan and Daddy Delos from last season, I right. think the the daddy issues continue with a different set of boys. Uh, update from Emily Fox: She says Junior, twins, <laughs> true lies, and then. Hmm. As though she's trying to think of two more Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, either that she knows exists or that she has seen. Uh, we will continue to keep you updated as that progress uh, continues. Uh, yeah, I like Liam as sort of like uh, the the new the new Logan. Like he's, he's like likable Logan to some degree. Like I mean, like he's a, he's like a he's like a definitely like a little bit of a turd. Uh, where like he kind of like just lets what happens to Dolores happen, and that's not great. Uh, but he seems like he's just a guy who's like in over his head in a way that like maybe there's room for redemption with this character. I don't know. We'll see. Let's hope so. He seems like a big old pawn right now. Yeah, seems like a little bit of a pawn right now. Um, but what is your take on insight as a concept and insight as a thing that Dolores is particularly interested in? 
I'll go to your first point. I'm so glad you asked uh, because lost doesn't recognize this word, which is panopticon, the shape, uh, that round spherical shape of the insight machine. It's a la the panopticon, which is an 18th century disciplinary concept. It was brought to life in the form of a central observation tower that was placed within prison cell circles. So from the tower, the guards could see every cell and inmate, but the inmates, inmates not only can't see into the tower, they don't know whether or not they're being watched. And so the, the concept of insight, you assume they're watching you. You don't really know. And by the way, the Panopticon was created by a man named Jeremy Bentham. Oh, stop it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yep. The life and death of. Yeah. So the, also the insight you know, motto is tell us who you are. Frank Terry O'Quinn is a Westworld, you cowards. I mean, seriously. Yeah. Okay. So, so the motto of insight is tell us who you are. We tell, who you, we tell you who you can be. That seems very Westworld Park experience. Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of parallels, so I dig it. Were you surprised at all by how uh, how Westworldy some of the world actually felt? Like, you know, what came to mind was like the when when Caleb gets like called to like uh, talk down like the drugged out guy. That was like Pariah. Like, why even bother going to Westworld when Pariah is like just in Los Angeles? You know, like Pariah being like that funky town where everyone was just like doing it with each other. Well, it seems like the architects of the parks take from the real world and they just like enhance them in the parks. So it's not it wasn't that surprising to me, but I kind of also liked that it was familiar. Yeah. Um, all right. So so that's what that's what strikes you about insight. And that's great. That's really good insight. Uh, it's spelled <laughs> differently than the company. Uh, so, what do you what do you think Dolores wants with it? I mean, Dolores wants world domination and she wants revenge for all of her robot kind because as she says, I'm the last of my kind and she's recreating her own species. And so she needs the technology to match or surpass humanity. Yeah. And so that's what I would think. Okay. My question is the word he. So the ref- there was a missing he in the boardroom with Charlotte. And then um, I just I don't know if that's the insight partner who is running the show because Junior's dad died, the insight guy. Um, his name is Sherrock, S-E-R-A-C, I believe. Okay. Uh, by the way, that translates to ridge of ice on the surface of a glacier. So take that for what you will. Okay, so um, the thing that's melting. The or thing that's melting. melting. The bottom. I don't know which part it is. I'm, I should right. probably be less ignorant on that. So is, I don't know how to pronounce it, but Sirach for all intents and purposes right now. If Sirach is working both Delos and Insight, or if he is a, a traitor or a spy or a, you know, a, a double spy. I, I Obviously, we don't know who that is yet. I could guess from the trailer, but I won't bring that into this conversation. So there is a, a, a capital H-E out there. Okay, cool. Um, at one point, we see uh, Dolores is following... Uh, is following Liam and following Connells to a meeting uh, where so cool to watch Dolores out here in, in civilization where she's like, uh, rent, rent, like, get me a lease. Okay. You got it. Here's the flute of champagne. You now live in this building. Uh, like that was, that was just amazing. Uh, but she's, she's spying on Liam and Liam is having a conversation with a mysterious she. And who is that mysterious she, Joe? Because I think some people are like, oh, I recognize her from somewhere. She's Mantis from Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Palm Clementif. I hope we're pronouncing that right. We don't know her name on the show, though, correct? Uh, I don't believe so. Okay. All right, so we don't obviously don't know who she represents. But when she says the big capital he, I assume that she represents, you know, either Sirach or whoever, you know, I don't think she's Delos. I think she's part of Insight. Right. But there's like some death threats that are being traded across <laughs> the table. Like the whole thing's very, very tense. I can't wait to see uh, Mantis versus Dolores. That's all I'm saying. Oh, my God. 
Uh, well, I don't know. Well, I don't know if Mantis's powers are applicable <laughs> on Dolores, where she can like kind of just like empathize with you and make you feel whatever or put you to sleep. Does that work on robots? Probably not this version. Yeah, yeah Mantis may be useless in a fight against Dolores, unfortunately. <laughs> Maybe good in a fight against Caleb, but not in a fight against Dolores. Until we know her name, we're going to call her Mantis. Yeah, absolutely. Mantis is definitely where it's at. Uh, a man, which reminds me of like, uh, a, a praying mantis that springs a trap. I don't know if that's how praying mantises work. That's basically what Dolores does here in this episode, right? Where like she goes to Liam. She, she starts to like try and like get him to open up about like who's running what? What do you know? Like tell me everything. You can trust me. And then Connells comes up and subdues her like very violently and then takes her via hovercraft to, uh, do you recognize where in Los Angeles they were at that point? Is that a new I, park? Is it a park that already exists? It looks like Silver Lake. It looks like the Silver Lake area. I thought it it was- also looks like Lake Merritt in Oakland, so who the hell knows? Well, it looked, it looked Silver Lake-ish or, or Echo Park-ish. I don't yeah. know Echo Park, but like it's near downtown Los Angeles, so mm-hmm. uh, it, would, it would make sense that it would be somewhere around there. Uh, Los Angelinos, chime in. Let us know. <laughs> uh, but she goes there, and like it's clearly all part of like her elaborate ruse of like uh, to get Connell's killed and replaced. Uh, this is part of like her... Uh, whatever Ocean's Eleven plan is going on. And I do appreciate, this is something that I like. Like, I think, I think it's better that like the show isn't trying to like be more clever than us with the timeline stuff. And it's, uh, and, and like try to like trick us with that. And instead it's like, yeah, but you don't need to know everything that Dolores is planning yet. Like all you need to know is like, you need to see like pieces of that plan come into place. And then whenever we turn the key, whenever we flip the switch, it's going to be, it's going to be exciting. And you're going to be like, oh my God. Okay. That makes more sense. But like at least one of the phases that we see in this episode is it's not that like she's targeting Liam necessarily, at least for replacement, but she's targeting Connell's uh, and she gets Connell's killed. And here comes new Connell's. It's so it's actually kind of brilliant. I love Dolores 3.0. I think it's my favorite Dolores. Yeah, she's great. She's great. I mean, I think like it's still like the same kind of revolutionary character, but like being able to see her out and about in the world. It's just, it, it is a different, a different thing. And like you said, like the, uh, like the, the full like wardrobe change on the fly. That's so great. Iconic. <laughs> I, I, one of the best moments of TV. I know it's early in 2020, but that was awesome. Iconic. I also thought that the, that just the way that the scene was constructed where, uh, like, uh, she wakes up in the car where the, where obviously we know why, like all of the drugs aren't working. Uh, you're going to have to come with something a little stronger if you're going to try to take out Dolores. Uh, that like she wakes up and then she kills everybody and like that the camera a uh, really great directorial choice by Jonathan Nolan stays in the car and uh, like you you watch her go out you watch her blap 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 and then like you see her get in the car and then like you've got like the rear view mirror uh, the rear view camera like it was just brilliantly done I thought you knew that guy was toast as soon as she got in the car uh, over eviscerated excellent use of a rear view camera Oh, big time. Uh, and, and I think like everything that happens there with Dolores, you know, it, it collides with she's, you know, she sustains some wounds over the course of the thing. Uh, I was going to say she's only human. She's not. But her body is her body is uh, to a certain extent. Uh, so she could only weather like so much damage to the to the body without like, uh, you know, falling down. Uh, and so that's what leads her to the arms of Caleb by the end of the episode. Unless you think it's a ruse, Joe. Uh, is, she, is this a show she's putting on, or do you think she's actually hurt and needing help at the end of the episode? I think she needs a warm body to get her to her vehicle, but I think, obviously, this is a really good way to introduce those two characters to each other. All right, and but a lot of the episode is focused on Aaron, Paul, as Caleb, and I think this next wave of the conversation should be as well. Uh, 
seems like Teddy's gone, right? Like Teddy went to the Valley Beyond, James Marsden. They're not hyping him up as part of the show at the very least. Uh, so we've got like a new leading man in the house, like a new potential Dolores love interest being set up maybe in Aaron Paul as Caleb. Human is somebody who like you're rooting for from the jump because like you said, I think like you, Aaron Paul's just very likable. Uh, so we really like Aaron Paul and we're pretty happy that Aaron Paul is here and is playing this character. What did you, what did you make of Caleb? Caleb Nichols, not of the OC. Okay. Good to know. <laughs> um, I think Utterly fascinating in the in the few minutes we had really to get a deep dive into his development and background. Ex-military, he's so young. So I have so many questions. In the future, you know, will we see a flashback of how and why? What branch? Are there different branches? Is he in Space Force, Josh? We I, don't know. I oh mean, he's, <laughs> he looks oh, like no. uh, he looks like Army just for in one basic flashback. I think scene. Their uniforms improved. No, I know. Space Force. Yeah. Well, and you know, he, he worked with Francis, obviously. At one point, it looked like Army, but then they were plain clothes at one point. I have a lot of things we'll get to with Francis, but I will be curious to see what his missions and locations were. Was he ever sent to Westworld Parks? You know, as a military person, um, he talks about being shot in the head before. He talks right. about an implant. Um, he obviously is scraping to make ends meet now and help his mother. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, some things do never change. Post-military doesn't seem like he's getting a lot of help and aid. You know, he has therapy, which seems mandatory and mandate, mandate rather. And so is that run by insight, you know, because of the technology and it's so fascinating that they're able to recreate the voice of a dead one to use as therapy. And that's something they could do in the future as well. Yeah. Uh, that, that's crazy. And as somebody who like loves therapy, like I'm a, <laughs> yeah. big, I'm a big therapy guy. Um, I don't know if that sounds like, like good and productive and something I'd be interested in or something that would terrify me. And- he yeah. did have a choice in this yeah. particular situation. I don't know if that's it's for all vets or not. And then he talks about keeping his scores up and it's monitored by his therapist. Is it part of a company run by insight? So obviously to me, all the tech is seems controlled by insight. So I'll be curious to see if all of that is related, including why he was discharged and what he's doing now. And scores up is like a very black mirror concept, right? Like it's the, the is it the Bryce Dallas Howard episode of, of <sighs> black mirror brutal uh, where she, yeah, she has to like, you, you you like drop in social standing and like you aren't able to like get in an Uber anymore. Uh, well, it's interesting. There's two sets of scores, the scores uh, above ground and then the underground criminal world because right. Lena Waithe's character mentions that he's, he had a really low score. So it's a really interesting dichotomy between upstairs, downstairs, between, you know, the above the board, regular jobs and the, the criminal activity, which also who runs that app, which by right. the way, so great. <laughs> the, the, Re- the Rico app, which is crazy. Like when, uh, what what is it? What are the options when you? It's like I feel basic and yeah, no, I'm ba- saying yes is like like f yeah and, yeah and saying no is no, I'm basic. It's kind uh, of great. It's kind of genius, brilliant. But my question is, if inside controls everything, who's to say they don't know exactly what's happening? Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, I would. You would expect that they have some sort of like semblance of awareness of the Rico app. Um, so maybe is like crime overlooked? Like, is it like, are like certain levels of crime, like forgivable? I don't know. 
Well, also when he was um, down in the Pleasure Palace uh, taking care of the naked screaming man, yeah. he used the phrase, did he do jail time like the rest of us? Like, had he also been in jail? In addition to being shot in the head, in addition to being in the military, he's rather young. There's a lot of depth to this character, and I'm really glad we have many episodes to sort of delve into that. It seems like they wouldn't put that in episode one unless it was relevant. Yeah. Was he uh, honorably discharged or dishonorably discharged like one Desmond David Hume? Now take your sodding book. <laughs> yes, there was for those Lost fans, and sorry for those of you who are new. We have um, Josh and I go way back because of Lost, and so there are always little Easter eggs that are unintentional to everyone else, but we find them. There was a, a, a conversation at the party with Liam Jr. and his friend was talking about how this scotch cost three times his salary, and it reminded me of Desmond and Widmore. But I digress. It's McCutcheon, clearly McCutcheon exists. Clearly, in the world of uh, of Westworld. Uh, the Rico app I've been uh, alternately describing as uh, Grand Theft Auto meets Uber or evil Pokemon Go. Uh, you know, whichever way you want to go, I think, uh, whichever way you want to Pokemon Go. Um, but uh, he, Caleb doesn't want to do any personals, is what he says. He doesn't want to, which I, which I guess was like, was it code for like, I'm not going to kill anybody and I'm not going to be party to anybody getting killed. Or does it mean like I'm not doing anything that is personal? Like what is the nomenclature uh, referred to? Theory time. Um, I feel like he's hesitant to do personals because one went wrong in the past and it connects somehow to insider Delos. That's my theory. Okay. That's Joe's theory. And I'm not commenting. <laughs> Fair. Joe lobs it up and I say nothing. I don't swing at those pitches. It's fun because I'm 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 wrong ninety nine percent of the time, but it's super cool when I'm not. I'm not allowed to say I'm. You know, listen. I did I did a million Game of Thrones and Walking Dead podcasts as somebody who had read the source material and all that stuff and was able to always keep that on lockdown. So uh, I hope I hope I've earned some goodwill. Uh, you, you can trust me. I'm keeping stuff on lockdown. We're good, good job so far. We're good here. We're doing all right. Uh, <laughs> Lena Waithe and Marshawn Lynch. Just to touch on them very briefly. Uh, I don't think we caught their characters' names, or at least, at least I did not. Uh, if anyone did, please let us know. Um, what did you think of them? Uh, okay, obviously, very big name gets for, for Westworld. I mean, I love them both for different reasons. Uh, we are a Cal Bears household, so my wife has four degrees from Berkeley, so go Bears. Uh, we could just refer to Marshawn Lynch as the Beast, uh, which I believe is one of his many nicknames. His sweatshirt is a mood. I yeah, want... Well, I mean, it's literally a mood, right? Like I want it so badly, like they need to sell those. It would be a lot easier to wear yeah. your heart on your sleeve if it was a light-up sweatshirt. If HBO does not make that available, then they have failed us all. So great. I have no idea who they are, but I dig them as a duo, and I, I hope we see more of them. Uh, then Kid Cudi is uh, supplying the voice of Francis, who's, uh, who's Caleb's war buddy um, from Once Upon a Time, and he's supplying the voice in Caleb's ear. But clearly, it's, uh, it's, it's you know uh, part of the therapy program. And I thought that this was a good example and this is something that I will say about the series based on what I've seen so far. I feel comfortable sharing this is that I do think that the, that the show seems more comfortable this year lobbing up what could be like a seasonal question. Like we, you can imagine the version of Westworld where Caleb is walking around all season long with this voice in his ear talking to Francis and the audience figures out in the first episode that that's not really Francis anymore. And they wait until the penultimate or the final episode to reveal it as if it's like some big bombshell. And instead they give that to you internally within the space of the episode. I appreciated that so much when I watched the premiere and that style of storytelling, um, you know, it's not to a rule because obviously there are, there are recurring questions throughout the season. Like, think like what's Dolores's plan? 
what is the nature of insight? What is the nature of the computer? Um, right now, the question of like, who is Charlotte? Like there are questions that they're definitely like playing with uh, to, to, a, to the same degree that they often play with these kinds of questions. But then there are some that they are just like, here's a big question and here's an answer all in the space of a single episode. You and I really loved Riddle of the Sphinx, the fourth episode of season two, one of the very best of the whole show, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, Ki- and Kiksuya even, which yes. is uh, the, the Ghost Nation, the, the Zon McLernan episode of Westworld, which I think is still the very best episode of, of Westworld ever. Uh, and those were, that one was in its own way, it was kind of like a standalone, uh, but like it set up some questions and answered them within the space of the episode. And Riddle of the Sphinx did a similar thing where you're like, what is up with, with James Delos? And you find out in that episode that like, yeah, that's not really him. He's a robot. Um, and I just appreciated that so much from those episodes. And I think a lot of that um, wisdom is being applied here in season three. So that was something that I've seen in the first couple of episodes. And certainly in this one, I think we're talking about with like the Francis thing um, that I'm grateful for uh, and is a real uh, sign of, um, of uh, I don't know about improvement, but certainly like a step forward, I think, for look, there's so much TV out there. Everybody's like competing for interest. Now we all have a lot of time to watch a lot of shows, uh, but there's so many shows that you can choose from. So Westworld's got to make itself attractive to, to an audience that in its third season, you know, maybe like daunted by how complicated it is. So I really appreciate that they are uh, doing their best to like, they, they present you like a, a, a knotted, you know, like a, a, a knotted shoelace. And over the course of the episode, in many cases, they are unknotting that shoelace. Let me read out with a theory now about Francis. Yeah. I did note that when the board was meeting, the Delos board was meeting with the empty chair with uh, Charlotte Hale, whoever, whatever iteration of Charlotte we're seeing, she mentioned creating new hosts. So in the new world, they've figured out how to create the voice of a deceased person. And maybe they've also, just like they do with the parks, they're already recreating bodies. And so it's possible that maybe when you die in the military, they recreate you for the new world or they use it for their devices. Like they're using Francis uh, to help Caleb or not help him. We might find out later on, maybe he shows up in the physical form of Francis. I just think that although Dolores and her team of recreated hosts are now the guests in the park, that is the new world. I think the new world is also filling itself with replicates. And I shall not respond. (laughs) This is so fun. The theory. I will, I will not say anything one way or the other. Can I just uh, say it's really nice to laugh right now? And I hope I that by you and I being two nerds in New York and California discussing a really cool show brings joy to people. And I, I genuinely hope that this brings joy to you because we love it. We're having a really, really good time. I'm, I'm having so much fun right now. Uh, <laughs> I don't think we can leave talking about Caleb. before. I, I want to start talking about Bernard in a second here. Um, but I don't want to leave talking about Caleb without talking about his robot sidekick. Did you like his robot sidekick, his colleague? You mean George the Transformer? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Transformers! Yeah. Oh, do you think so there's more than meets the eye to George, or do you think he is a simple creature? 108%. He's not just a robot. Come on now. Yeah. I know like- nothing, but I just think, okay, this is going to be a really cool friend. All right. Well, if you have a theory that George is actually George Washington reborn inside <laughs> a George robot body, I do feel comfortable saying that that theory is incorrect. I will say that I immediately thought of George Jetson. Like when we were kids, our idea of the future was George Jetson. So that was, a, to me, that was a nice homage of a name. I could be totally wrong. No, that one I have to spoil. You got it right. This is George Jetson. Is uh, <laughs> Caleb's partner is George Jetson in the body 
of George the Robot. So that's, uh, that you could take that to the Westworld Reddit boards. I let that one leak. One more thing about Caleb, another conspiracy theory, if I may. Yeah, please. I know his mom is in the hospital. We don't know if she has dementia or not, but she says, you're not my son, to which I say, maybe he's not. Maybe he is a host. Maybe he's a recreation of her son. Maybe her son died in the military. That's all I'm saying. And here's here's what I will say to that, aside from the requisite nothing, is, yes. is, is that I do think that the show has forced us to consider that everybody is a host. Right. You know, because like, they've played that trick so many times that I think like, it's hard not to like look at every single character and think like, are you a robot? Uh, so like, I, I totally get the instinct, uh, but I will, I will not weigh in one way or the other uh, as to the theory itself. Let's talk about Bernard, or should I say Armand Delgado? You mean Bernardo? <laughs> Bernard Delgado. Uh, Bernard Delgado, uh, <laughs> who is, uh, of course, Bernard, he's Jeffrey Wright sporting new hairdo. We new like, beard. Me likey that. I think you look <laughs> great. Uh, speaking of, Emily Fox may have been triggered by me saying me likey that because it's a Lonely Island thing. Uh, and I would just like to update that. There have been uh, no additional Arnold Schwarzenegger movies texted to me beyond the, the hmm. So she's still mulling uh, the, the two to wrap out. Uh, to, that makes uh, me respect your wife a little bit more that there isn't a long list. That's all I'm saying. Well, I think it shouldn't be so hard to get to five Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. I have zero. So You have zero? Zero. You haven't seen a single Schwarzenegger? Okay, wait. Terminator. That's it. Yeah. That's it? That's the only one? Maybe T2. You never see it? You never saw Oh, I've for- seen all of them. I just oh, don't. you just don't like them. <laughs> okay. All no, right. sir. That's, that's a different story. Fair enough. <laughs> different Fair podcast. Enough. Different podcast. We'll do the... Oh, actually, I believe uh, the great Jordan Parhar and I once were going to say we would do an Arnold Schwarzenegger podcast together. So uh, we'll have to get him on the line should this ever come to pass. Uh, <laughs> he's in podcast retirement, or at least he's in... Uh, I think he's in podcast retirement. I haven't checked in with Jordan in a long time. Jordan, if you're listening or if people who are listening... Uh, can tell me what's up with Jordan. I would love to know. Uh, we're, we're out of touch right now. Um, but Bernard is going by Armand Delgado. He is in hiding right now. And it's because dastardly Dolores and Charlotte, whoever that is, have pinned the massacre on Bernard. Uh, they're like saying Bernard's alive. Bernard's a person. He's definitely not a robot. And he's the reason all of this happened. And he is at large. And so Bernard is in like, uh, he's under he's under a new identity of Armand Delgado. He's out there like farming fake beef, and uh, there's people who are going to catch on to him, and that's going to be very bad. Um, I have a theory. Obviously, he left Westworld. He was able to leave Westworld. He when he at the end of the episode, he's going back. I think Stubbs is his inside man at okay. the park because you know Stubbs was very loyal he knew exactly who Bernardold was and i think you know we've we've seen Hemsworth 3 in the trailer so it's safe to say that Stubbs is still alive and back so i i kind of dig it but i hope we get an episode where we find out how bernard got off island and i shall not comment on <laughs> any of that other than uh i think it's worth talking about bernard's self analysis yes He's talking to himself. He's got a remote control, dude. And that seems like a horrible idea. <laughs> I think that the 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 external remote control feels like a very obvious design flaw. Uh, Jekyll and Hyde at the touch of a button. Yeah, that he is currently wielding. You can't feel good about the fact that somebody else could potentially be wielding that eventually. Right. 
It seems like there are a lot of um, pocket remote controls because Jerry had one as an alarm trip when right. Dolores was capturing him. So the technology is basically all y'all with your gate buttons and your garage door openers. Save that tech. It's coming. Yeah. Uh, in my family growing up, we uh, used to call the garage door opener the hoogie doogie. <laughs> uh, is what we called it. So I keep being like, wow, Bernard's got like a self hoogie doogie. Well, Bernard's alter ego, I have a note on here that says he becomes Bernard Wick, like John Wick. He becomes oh, like a, a badass warrior. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, he's a, like, and he like is apologetic about it too. He's like, please don't hurt them so much. Uh, it was great. I it's still, I still root for and feel for Bernard. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, one of the things I really loved about his brief character scenes was he's working and hiding out in the exact opposite industry. He's farming with animals on actual land. And I thought that was a really nice counterpoint. But then you go to his job and his lab. It's just like they were cutting up the hosts in the bottom of Westworld. He's cutting up this meat, synthetic or not, like they did to the robots. So it's really it's familiar territory, but it's an interesting choice. Yeah, absolutely. Um do you think that he so he says like have, when was the last time you had contact with Dolores Abernathy and that's when he gives like the 90 something days I, I should have written down the exact figure um do you think a that that's true I will not say one way or the other uh but b why do you think he's doing this is it because like he had I mean makes some sense that he has trust issues even with himself right right I I don't know what his mission is and if he's going back to us what did he get when he needed from the real world because his world seems very distant from the one dolores is in and i don't just mean like a physical location so i'd be curious to see obviously there is some missing pieces in the puzzle between those two and those 90 days and so i know you can't say but i hope we sort of get to fill in the puzzle uh, i was trying to see if, like is armand delgado is that like a jeremy bentham type of thing and all I got is that there is a, a young actor named Armand Delgado who's like a young boy who is in a, uh, something coming in 2019 called These Birds Don't Fly South in the Winter. Wow. Uh, and he is playing part of boy. So probably not. I put it in my anagram solver, as I am apt to do since Lost, and it didn't really give me anything. I think it's just a name that they picked. Did you get any good anagrams this week? Um, I did for Bernard, but for Armand Delgado, but they were so silly that even I couldn't say them out loud. So I didn't write them down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Bernard, once he gets caught, he leaves, he, he, he cheeses it and he winds up at a place called Palawan Island, which is in the Philippines near the South China Sea. And he, South China Sea, he's going to go to Westworld, basically pulling like a season four Arya Stark. Uh, what's west of Westworld? He's found out and he doesn't like the answer. So let's go back. Uh, so we will find out what that is all going to be. But I think one of the things that's exciting about the prospect at the very least is we left the park at the end of season three and we're like, are we ever going to go back to the park again? It's like, I guess we are. Yeah. It was decimated from top to bottom. Right. You know, like, are we going to actually, is that still a setting that we can tap into? The answer seems to be yes. We'll find out. Find out. Um, anything else from the Bernard storyline? I, you and I, before we came on, we were like, where was he? Was he in America? Was he in Australia? Yeah, because even though he was in the Philippines at the end, had he traveled there to get to Westworld or where was the farm he was working? It yeah, looked I, like it looked like middle, middle America, but you were saying offline, you don't think Bernard would hang out there. I don't know. I mean, I think that would be hard for him to get from there to the Philippines. So it's why I was trying to think, like, is there some is there somewhere that is could could he have been in the Philippines potentially even like the whole time? And like, this is how he's leaving. But 
Uh, that'd be very close to Westworld the whole way through. So I don't know. And his updated technology, is that updated by himself, by Delos? Did he start off being uh, an ally to Charlotte and Dolores? I mean, right. these are questions I have going into the season. Uh, the final scene of the episode after Bernard says he's going back to Westworld is we cut to your girl, mine as well, favorite character on the show for sure, Tandy Newton as Maeve. Uh, and they're really just giving us the, the slightest tease of what's going on with Maeve where, uh, you know, she's, we saw this in the trailer, in fact. So it's not new information. Uh, but she's in this place that, uh, is like Nazi occupied. It's like, is this Nazi park? What is this place? This does not seem good. Uh, what are your what are your takes on on Maeve? Because I'm going to be tight lipped. Conceptually speaking, creating a Nazi field park experience is effed up, Josh. Yeah. Did they hire Quentin Tarantino to design it? Hello. Yeah, maybe. I, I also don't think it's in the same timeline because the Westworld as we knew it, the security, the system was down. So my theory is it was a pre season one and season two or. It is. It was. There's another park out there that isn't in the same space, physical space, as the one we know. Yeah, can't say. Can't say. But it's called War World, which is really hard to say. War World. War World. War World. How does the logo look? <laughs> um, exactly. Is it just like the same exact logo as Westworld? Like I think they would have to work on that. They got lazy. They're like, okay, yeah, we'll call it Dub Dubs. It's great. All right, so we'll we'll find out what's going on there. Uh, I just like seeing Maeve again, and obviously she's going to save the day. But if you've seen the trailers, you've seen her in modern times. So I look forward to that. She's going to be, you know, we're we're going to get our Maeve fixed. Don't worry about Ugh, that. Thank feel goodness. Safe, feel safe saying that. Uh, as we start as we start the process of closing out here, Joe, I feel like um, we didn't talk about the opening credits, which are a little bit new this season. Like it has like the blood red finish when we were slamming into Westworld at the end. Uh, there's like all like sort of like the the, the Michelangelo of it all, right? With the, the, with the hands touching through the water. Uh, it's like a passing of gods, maybe. A human passes through the top, I think. And when sinking to the bottom, now it has like the robot face. Uh, what is, what, what's your opening credits analysis looking like? I am kind of a credits nerd. Um, so I like dissecting it and watching it many times. So I notice spheres. Obviously, the digital timeline where they're talking about different incidents, the round um, fuzzy graphic we're seeing when it's talking about vague incidents across the country. That's really interesting because in the opening credits, it's spherical. What comes around goes around. It's full circle from Westworld Park guests using robots to robots using Westworld Park guests. Also, the circular timeline and graphics showing world events, I think it all ties into the opening credits. And there are a lot of mirrors. The show is about representing who you are and who you can be, which is both a Westworld park and an insight theme. So I really think that the spherical uh, objects and the mirrors in the opening credits will actually play out as the season goes on. That's my prediction. Okay, cool. What are some of the other things that we haven't talked about that you want to make sure we hit before we, before we close things out? Um, in the scene where we meet Caleb and he's walking in the new world, there are people wearing masks. Now, in 2020, in March, <laughs> there are people wearing masks. But it seems in the new world, it's so pristine. What are they protected from? What are they hiding? What are what is in the air or what? You know, I just I think it's, it was just a really interesting choice. Is it to show location? Because people in Asian nations without any kind of pandemic tend to wear masks, right. but th there's no pollution in the air. So I know it's little minutia like that, but you know, I zero in on things like that. So I thought that was really, really interesting. Yeah. I think especially in the context of like you and I've talked about like how like disease seems to like 
most like illness seems to be not a huge issue anymore in the future of Westworld, right? Isn't that like what the man in black kind of indicates with like his work in, in Della? So, so what up with that? Fair right. Question. And does the man in black's work come into play with either Delos or insight? Does he have, you know, his hand in the cookie jar at insight? I mean, I, I think there's so many, this is what I love about the first episode. Like you said, it was a lot, but I'm really, I think I'm more excited for what I've seen in the first episode of season three than I was for one and two. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's because we're like in Blade Runner world. This we are. Blade Runner yeah. World, it's cool. <laughs> and when you're ready, I have some predictions for the rest of the yeah, season. Yeah, let's do it. Lay them out. Okay. We're going to see Dad Bernathy again. We're going to see Dolores' father. Like, the, he was so integral to her and her journey. I assume that one of the brain balls she put in her purse as Charlotte Hale in the end of season two will be Dad Bernathy, and that in some capacity, we will see him again. Okay. I also think that Dolores has a plant, a friend, and an ally still in the Westworld Park, like I said before, feeding her information like the data book. We don't know where William is. Maybe it could be William. Maybe it's the man in black. Maybe he's stuck on Westworld. Because... Maybe it was Bernard until they had a falling out. I just think that she definitely, like Bernard and Dolores, have a different plant still living in the Westwood Park. Okay. And that's really, that's, those are my two basic theories for now because I didn't want to delve too deep because I'm too excited. Uh, so am I. <laughs> and I'm just so excited to be podcasting with you again. This is oh my gosh. Uh, this is- this- just been a great, a great, I, I, I mean, I had so much fun doing this with you, Joe. I hope people, like you said, uh, really had a fun time, not just watching the season premiere, but also, uh, listening to us back together. Uh, to me, it feels like we haven't missed a beat. Uh, and we've got, you know, eight more episodes of Westworld to be, to be chewing on here. Thank goodness. Uh, in the weeks ahead. So it's really, really fun. If you want to make sure that you're getting in on that action, as we said before, subscribe to the podcast, poshorecaps.com slash Westworld for our Apple feed. We are available wherever you get your podcasts. The Feedback Show, it's coming up. Uh, we're recording it on Wednesday morning. So get your feedback in Westworld at postshowrecaps.com. Or you can tweet at me, at Round Howard, at postshowrecaps. And our special guest, uh, you may want to prep some robot-specific questions. Uh, if you've got any question about what does the future of robots look like, does it look anything like Westworld? Is anything like Westworld going to be possible? Because we're going to have an expert on the panel. We're going to have a, we're going to have the great robot scientist himself. One Professor Christian Hubicki is going to be our guest here on Welcome to Westworld's new feedback show. It's going to be Christian and I of Survivor David versus Goliath fame, nerding out about robots, and probably as as we are wont to do, talking about some Survivor. I would not be surprised if we end up talking about Survivor for a little bit. Maybe we'll save that for the end. We'll have like a secret survivor section in the Westworld feedback show. Uh, and it's going to be a great time. I'm really, really excited to, to pick Christian's brain ball about everything that's going on. So again, Westworld at postshowrecaps.com. If you've got questions about the premiere, questions specifically for Christian, uh, make sure that you are, you are writing all of that out. Robot questions. He, he, he texted me earlier. He's like, make sure you tell him to send me robot questions. Uh, he wants to, he wants to, to allay your fears. Uh, he, he wants to make sure encourage robot questions were the exact words he used. Can I ask him about George Jetson? Yeah, of course. Okay. Just checking. Yeah. A hundred percent. You can, <laughs> uh, Rosie, the robot, I'm sure we'll get into what was going on with her. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk about all of that next week's episode. It's called the winter line, Richard J. Lewis, uh, who's been with the show for a long time. He's directing Matthew Pitts and Lisa Joy co-writing the winter line. It's a fun one. We're going to have a lot to talk about. Really looking forward to the winter line. I think it's going to be a really, really fun podcast. 
here. Uh, tons going on on post show recaps right now. Uh, Joe and I are now more comfortably able to reference Lost all the time because there is a dedicated Lost podcast every single week on post show recaps now called Down the Hatch, which hopefully you are listening to already. But if not, it's a spoiler filled Lost rewatch podcast from the perspective of people who have watched Lost all the way through. Mike Bloom and I co-host that podcast it drops on friday mornings it's the best it's really really fun if you love lost you should be listening to it uh mike is podcasting about star trek picard which is getting close to the end of the line with jessica Leese. uh jess and i are talking about the walking dead uh westworld is like the big exciting thing right now but uh this this evening walking dead uh, this is like the vh1 thing but the walking dead had one of its best weeks ever is the <laughs> That I think that this week's Walking Dead was the best one of the season for sure. And Jess and I are going to have podcast coverage of that. Antonio Mazzaro and I, we are podcasting about Better Call Saul, which is just at its halfway point of the season already, which is insane to me. Uh, and Rob Cesarino, Akiva Winokur, and myself are recapping Curb Your Enthusiasm. We've just got uh, a little bit more left before that podcast wraps up. Uh, so between all of that that I've mentioned, plus the, the, the two Westworld podcasts we're doing every week right now, Seven podcasts on post show recaps this week. It'd be a lot. So, you know, are you tired of talking yet, Josh? No, never. I okay, love, good. I love the sound of my own voice. I've gotten used to that, uh, <laughs> and I, I love to just yap off into the into the ether. And hopefully, you guys enjoy hearing it as well. Joe, the founder, uh, co-founder. You want to say cancer? Yes. Gets lost. Uh, cancer gets lost. Talk to us about cancer gets lost because people who know you certainly know what that is, and people who are regular Westworld podcast listeners certainly know all about it. Uh, but we may have some newcomers here. Give us uh, give us the rundown of what you're working on over there and what people can be looking forward to. In my spare time, I run a nonprofit called Cancer Gets Lost. We collect entertainment memorabilia. We try and get it signed. And then we auction off and donate all the proceeds to various cancer charities. We actually just wrapped up a giant lost auction and raised $21,000 for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, which is great because my dad is a blood cancer survivor. So I did it in his honor and for all other families who have family members with that particular kind of cancer. Right now, we are working, well, we're starting to work on a big auction for late 2021, which will feature 75 different TV shows and movies. And it's every two years we do auctions of all items. And I would let you know that I was just donated some Westworld items, including Ooh. a season three crew t-shirt. So even though Westworld season three is airing in 2020, next year, you'll be able to bid on a crew t-shirt and more. Okay, so make sure you're following Joe for all the updates on Cancer Gets Lost. You can also follow at Cancer Gets Lost is the Twitter account, so you can get all the updates there. Really, really great cause. Uh, Joe and I were talking about some fun Cancer Gets Lost stuff uh, off offline earlier. Uh, super tease of things that may or may not happen down the line. Yes, uh, there might be a podcast-related Cancer Gets Lost thing happening in we'll 2020. We'll yeah. We'll no, no spoilers. No spoilers. No spoilers. spoiler-free zone is what, is what we're what, what <laughs> worrying for here. Westworld's back. It's officially back because Joe and I just spent uh, an hour plus talking about an episode of Westworld. Can't wait to talk about more. Until then, everybody, bring yourselves offline.